good morning, church. Good morning. It's so great to be together today and to worship our God and to give Him the praise that He deserves. I'm excited about today. Last week, we concluded an amazing series. We're in the Old Testament book of Ruth, and they had just the feedback's been awesome. So if you missed any of that series, go back and watch or listen, because God is speaking to us and growing us as His disciples. And this morning, we're beginning a brand new series. It's called Love Everyone Always. I don't know if you noticed it. It's out there, right? But we're just trying to kind of reinforce that message as we walk with Jesus to the cross, as we walk as his disciples to go forward. Now, if you're here today and you're not a Christ follower yet, right? If you're here today and you're just kind of checking things out, I'm so glad that you're here. I'm so thankful that you're here. But, but see, if you're not a Christ follower, you, you can kind of live however you want. Right? I mean, you can run after the gods of this world, right? Money and success and power, and that's fine. But if you are a Christ follower and you're here, you have a different call in your life, right? You have a different agenda for your life. And what Jesus calls us to do is be men and women after his heart and to live as he calls us. And our life should look different than the world around us. And so in this series, we're going to talk about how Jesus calls us to live as his disciples, and we're going to see as we approach Easter and prepare our hearts for, for the biggest celebration of it all as Jesus was resurrected and transformed the world and transformed our lives. But we want to be people after his heart. And we want to do what he's called us to do. And we are his disciples. And so we've come to reorder our lives around his plans and around his purposes. It's easy to get caught up in the world, but man, we want to get caught up in Jesus. And we want to fall in love with him. We want to surrender our will to the one who surrendered his life for us. So let me pray for us as we launch in today. Father God, speak to our hearts today. Open our minds, open our hearts to hear from you. Father, I thank you for Sabbath. I thank you for a day set aside to worship. In God, six days we run after hard the things that are happening all around us, but today we just wanna reorient our mind and our heart to your word and your truth. And we wanna follow you, oh God, all the days of our lives. So invade this space. Come in this moment. Allow your word to come alive in us because we love you. In the name of Jesus, we pray. Amen, amen. If you have a Bible with you this morning, I invite you up with me to Luke chapter 10. Luke chapter 10, going New Testament today. Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John, the four gospels. Now, if you don't have a Bible, there's some Bibles in the back. Love for you to grab one, take it, it's yours uh, put your name in it, keep it with you, our gift to you. Uh, also, we'll put the words on the screen, or if you have a mobile device, you can access the scriptures online with us as well as we dive into Luke chapter 10. Now, let me just kind of set the stage for you. Luke chapter 9, Jesus turns his attention toward Jerusalem. All right, so I know it's kind of like one-third of the book of Luke, and already Jesus is heading to Jerusalem. He's heading to the cross. He's going to pay the price for us on the cross, and that he's going to be resurrected. And so every day that follows is Jesus heading to Jerusalem. And so what we see here in Luke chapter 10 is Jesus' mindset's already going there. He is calling us, calling us as his disciples to follow him, to take up our cross, and to follow him daily. And here's what happens in Luke chapter 10 as we set up the series today in verse 25. It says this, on one occasion, an expert in the law stood up to test Jesus. Now, an expert in the law back then was, was not just a lawyer. This was a guy who was an expert in the law of the Old Testament. So he's going back to Genesis, Exodus, Leviticus, Numbers, and Deuteronomy, the law, the Torah, the Pentateuch. And this guy was one of the religious leaders. If you kind of remember from history, 
Uh, you go back, and the Greeks came through and conquered Palestine. Remember Alexander the Great? And he, he cried because there was no more countries to conquer. Well, he kind of conquered this area, and the Greeks came in and tried to Hellenize the Jews. You know, and they Hellenized, right, the whole world, like the Greek language and customs and all those things. And the Jews were okay until they tried to offer a pig as a sacrifice on the altar of God. And the Jews said, forget it, no, we're not into this, okay? And so they drove the Greeks out. They rebelled and revolted against the Greeks. So when the Romans conquered the Greeks, the Romans learned. And they said, hey, man, these people are passionate <laughs> about their religion, okay? So we're going to let them do their thing, and we're going to be over them, but we're going to let them kind of govern themselves in this respect as far as a religion. So this guy is an expert in the law. He was a religious leader for the Jews. And he comes up to Jesus and he says, Teacher, he asked, what must I do to inherit eternal life? A great question, right? I think every person who's ever lived has asked this question. Because we all know that there is more to this life. We all know that there is more than we can see. And so how do we get there? And this teacher, this expert was like, studying the, the first five books and going, wait a minute, how do I inherit eternal life, right? How do I do it? And, and I love how Jesus, he always answers a question with a question. <laughs> he always kind of turns it back on him. He says, well, what is written in the law? He replied, how do you read it? What do you think? You're the expert. What do you think? And he answered, well, love the Lord your God with all your heart and with all your soul and with all your strength and with all your mind and love your neighbors yourself. So this guy takes, you know, Deuteronomy chapter 6, the Shema, or the most important commandments for all the Jews, like love the Lord your God with all your heart, your soul, your mind, your strength, and couples it with Leviticus 19.18, love your neighbor as yourself. So he comes back to this love, right? Love God and love others. Now, where did this guy get that? Well, if you go to Matthew 22, Jesus has already said that. <laughs> when asked what's the greatest commandment, Jesus would have been the one who put these two together. So this guy goes, well... I heard you say, right, you know, hey, love the Lord your God, right, and love your neighbors yourself. And Jesus goes, you've answered correctly, Jesus replied. Do this and you'll live. And we kind of look at that and we go, wait a minute, wait a minute, wait a minute. Do this and you'll live? What, what do you mean? We can't be perfect. You know, salvation only comes through Christ and through Christ alone, what Jesus did for us on the cross. But what Jesus was saying to this guy, yeah, if you love God perfectly, you won't sin. I mean, really, because all sin at the root of it is rebellion against God. That's what it is. I remember David when he sinned with Bathsheba. And Uriah, what does he do? He confesses and he says, Lord, against you and you only have I sinned. And he sinned against Bathsheba too, right? He sinned against a lot of other people. But, but he recognized that that sin, that sin was against God. So Jesus goes, yeah, you can be perfect, you be perfect, right? That's it. There's a holy God, sinful man. You be perfect, and, and then you can get it. And the guy's like, uh-oh, right? He's kind of getting backed into a quarter here. He's like, uh, but notice this, verse 29, but he wanted to justify himself. <laughs> kind of underline that in your Bible. How often do we want to justify ourselves? This guy's going, now I know I'm not perfect, right? I know I'm not there. I, 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 I know that, but... I'm pretty good. I mean, Jesus, I mean, check me out. I'm pretty good. Have you ever noticed how we always compare ourselves to like the lowest common denominator, right? Like, you know, I'm not as bad as that guy. You know, like, yeah, I'm, I'm pretty good. I'm all right. You know, like, okay. I'm, I'm, you know, maybe. So he asked Jesus, 
And who is my neighbor? He's like, I know I'm not perfect on this one, but hey, I'm pretty good to people. I'm nice to people. So, so who's my neighbor? Who's my neighbor? And in reply, Jesus said. And what Jesus said is one of the most famous stories of all time. And you've probably heard this story, but I want to tell you, I just want to encourage you to listen with fresh ears today. Because this is a parable. Jesus always taught in parables. Parables are earthly stories with heavenly meanings. And, and Jesus taught this way because if you're a teacher, you know, when somebody discovers the truth for themselves, that's when they own it, right? I mean, they can memorize a lot of facts, but they're going to forget those facts, right? But if they discover that truth, and this is the way Jesus taught. So in reply to this guy, who is my neighbor? Jesus tells this story. He said a man was going down from Jerusalem to Jericho when he was attacked by robbers. Now the trip from Jerusalem to Jericho, it's 17 miles. And everybody listening to this would have said, yeah, yeah, we, we know that. That's a dangerous route, right? I mean, Jerusalem's up here in the mountains and Jericho, one of the lowest cities in the entire world. And so you're going downhill, big rocks, big boulders. Uh, in fact, we're going back to Israel at the end of October. We do a biblical study tour there. And so maybe you're being like, hey, I want to go. You know, you can sign up online and go be a part of that. But we will stand on this road and you'll be able to see that. It's paved now. But people would go down there, and he's attacked by robbers. I mean, there's these big boulders, and people would hide behind there, and they would jump out and beat you up, right? And they stripped him of his clothes. They beat him and went away, leaving him half dead. So this guy gets attacked. Out of nowhere, jumped him, and here he is laying half dead on the side of the road. And then it says, verse 31, a priest happened to be going down the same road. And the listeners would be like, yay, here he comes, a priest, right? Lucky guy, here comes a priest. This is going to be perfect. He's going to rescue him. This is going to be okay for this guy. And when he saw the man, the priest passed by on the other side. Like, what? I mean, the whole priest's job is, right, to build a bridge between God and man. What do you mean he just, like, went around him? He, like, kept going. So, too, a Levite. And they're like, yay, a Levite, right? The Levites were people who, who worked there at the temple. So there's the 12 tribes. The Levitical tribe was the one that was responsible for taking care of the temple. So all priests are Levites, but not all Levites are priests. A, a lot of the Levites would be people who just worked. They volunteered at the church. They took care of things. So this Levite comes by, and everybody's like, yeah, here he comes. And when he came to the place and saw him, he passed by on the other side. Like, What? but a Samaritan. Now, when the people heard this, they're like, oh, boo, right? Here he comes. This is the villain. I mean, if this guy's half dead, he's all the way dead now, right? Because this Samaritan, I mean, he is like the bad guy. See, the Jews hated the Samaritans. I mean, like, hated the Samaritans. They called them half-breeds. They called them dogs. It goes back 700 years before this where the northern tribes were taken off into exile, and then they intermarried, and they came back, and, and the Jews are like, you, you have no part in us. And the Jews would literally walk around their country. When they were going from Jerusalem up to Galilee, they wouldn't even step foot in their country. They would walk around it. Now, Jesus would walk through it, but, but these guys, would like they hated them that much. And so here comes a Samaritan. And as he traveled, he came to where the man was, and when he saw him, he took pity on him. It's like, what? Yeah, he took pity on him and he went to him and he bandaged his wounds and pouring on oil and wine. And then he put the man on his own donkey, brought him to an inn, took care of him. 
The next day he took out two denarii and he gave them to the innkeeper. Look after him, he said, and when I return, I will reimburse you for any extra expense you may have. Whoa. He's like, seriously, you know, we're going to bandage his wounds and, and, and I put it on my credit card. I'm, I'm just giving it to you right here. You just put it on. Whatever expenses there are, I'll pay for it. <sighs> Jesus says, which of these three do you think was a neighbor to the man who fell into the hands of robbers? He's looking at this expert in this law. Guy who's think pretty pretentious and you can imagine the guy's head just falling and the expert in the law replied, the man who had mercy on him. He couldn't even say Samaritan. He had so much hatred in his heart. The man who had mercy on him. And then look what Jesus told him. Jesus told him, go and do likewise. This is what I'm calling you to. This is the standard. To do what? Love. Who? Everyone. Everyone. When? Always. That's what I'm calling you to. If you're taking notes today, here's some things I'd love for you to write down They're inside your worship guide. Number one is this. We're called to see the needs around you. See the needs around you. Yeah, I love where it says this. The Samaritan, as he traveled, came to where the man was and he saw him. But it also says the priest saw him and the Levites saw him. But there was something different in the way that the Samaritan saw him. There was something different in the way that he looked at him. It says he took pity on him. There was something that stirred inside of his heart. See, like the priest and the Levite, we can become desensitized to the needs around us. Because there's needs all the time, right? Our spouse has needs. Emotional needs. Physical, spiritual. Our, our children have needs. People at work, there's needs. People when we're driving, there's needs. There's people around the world, there's needs. So what keeps us? So what keeps us from seeing the needs around us? I think three things. Number one is this, busyness. <laughs> busyness. Busyness keeps us from seeing the needs. Right, I mean, maybe the priest was going, hey, I'd love to stop and help, but, but listen, I've got a meeting. It's happening in Jericho, I'm gonna be late, I gotta get down there, I gotta go. Maybe the Levite was like, hey, I'm supposed to be home. I can tell the family I got to get there, so I, I'm going to be late, so I'm going to pass by. I'm going to keep going. Hope, hey, blessings on you. you know, see ya. And, and just kind of keeps going. Busyness. You know, we wear busyness like a badge of honor, don't we? You ask people how they're doing, and they're like, I'm really busy. You know, like, I, that's me. I'm really busy. And that kind of defines our lives. But the question becomes, are we busy doing the right things? We can be really busy. We can be really active. We can be doing a lot of stuff. But are we investing in the right things? The second one I think that keeps us is this. It's fear. It's fear. Maybe the priest and maybe the Levite thought, you know what? What if this is a trap? Right? What if I go over and I help this guy and this is big some ploy and he's really not hurt and there's a bunch of people hiding behind the rock and they jump out and they jump me? You ever been there? You ever thought that? You know, like I'd love to help, but you know, I don't know. And there's this fear. There's fear of like, if I really get involved, what is this gonna require of me? This fear of what's gonna happen. I think the third one is this, materialism. Materialism. I, 
I don't know how much this is going to cost me. <laughs> I know this is going to cost me something, and I don't know how much this is going to cost me. And at the essence of it, many times we value possessions more than we value people. <laughs> you see, as followers of Christ, we have to every morning wake up and just say, God, open my eyes to the needs around me today. God, open my eyes to the needs around me today. Because like many of us, man, I'm right there. Right? We can put blinders on and just kind of go through our day and go through our life. And we're just going and going and going. And there's a need and there's a need and there's a need. And we're like, I, I've got this going on. But if we stop and just say, God, open my eyes. Open my eyes. Right now, in my own home, my work, wherever I am, God, open my eyes to the needs around me. Number two, look at this. Number two, act when God prompts you. Act when God prompts you. But a Samaritan, as he traveled, came to where the man was. And when he saw him, he took pity on him. And he went to him and bandaged his wounds, pouring on oil and wine. He acted. He, he took pity. There was something that stirred in his heart and his spirit. And he stepped out. He took pity and he acted on that. Notice this, the role of the Holy Spirit to prompt our hearts in addressing the needs around us. You know, there's a lot of needs, Right? And we can't do it all. I mean, we can't. We can't do everything, but we can all do something. And there's gonna be times that the Holy Spirit's gonna prompt you, and you have to make a choice. Am I gonna listen and engage, or am I gonna move on? Am I gonna go on? My wife, Lisa, uh, a while back, she went to the DMV, right, which is always a fun experience and, you know, so exciting. So she went down there to get her driver's license renewed, and she's standing in line, and she's standing in line, she's standing in line, standing in line, standing in line, right, standing in line all the while. And there was a guy in front of her who was just getting, she said, really frustrated. I mean, it was taking forever, and he was getting frustrated. And finally, it was his turn. He gets up to the window, and he just lets loose on this lady. This poor lady who's there, you know, who was working at the DMV, and he's just going off on this lady, and and Lisa goes, I was standing back there like, oh, man. You know, and, and I was just watching this happen. And, and finally, he moves on. And it was Lisa's turn. And she gets up there. And she could just tell. I mean, the lady's head was down. And she went through the motions. And she, and she goes, you know, I just knew. Man, my heart went out for her. And I didn't know what to say. And I, and I know it's a tough job. And she goes, and so I'm leaving. And I'm walking out the door. And she goes, and then it was like God just said, do something for her. And I was like, you know, God, I, what am I going to do, you know? And and she said, it's the only thing I could think of was to go to the store. And I went to the store and I got some flowers. And, and I came back um, and I walked in, you know, and there's all these people around. And I kind of motioned for her and she came over and, and I gave her the flowers, Lisa said. And she, she just looked at me and tears started coming down her eyes. And Lisa goes, I just want to tell you, you know what, I'm so sorry. I'm so sorry for what happened today. But I want you to know that I care about you and that God loves you. And I just want you to know I'm praying for you. And she gave her the flowers and gave her this big hug and she left and Lisa was telling me about it. She's like, you think I did the right thing? I'm like, yes. Yeah, I mean, you know, yes. And there's those times when God just stirs in your heart, like, you know, send a text or call or reach out. And, and many times it's like, wow, God, I'm busy. But what a difference those little things make. You guys think about this. Think about all the excuses the Samaritan the Samaritan could have given that day. I mean, think about all the excuses. The Samaritan could have gone, you know what? I'm a Samaritan. He's a Jew. He doesn't even like me. I mean, you know, he could have thought this. He could have thought, what's this guy going to do to pay me back? 
I mean, he can't pay back. I mean, this is a bad investment right here. You know, he's like, he could have thought, hey, wait a minute. There was a priest and a Levite who went by. Why didn't they do anything? He could have come up with all kinds of excuses. But he didn't. He acted. He got involved. Proverbs chapter 3 tells us this. In Proverbs chapter 3, verse 27, do not withhold good from those to whom it is due when it is in your power to what? Act. Do not say to your neighbor, come back tomorrow and I'll give it to you when you already have it with you. How many times have I been there? It's like, ah, I can't deal with this right now. Come back later. I'll deal with this later. I'll deal with this next time, you know. And next time, next time, next time. I think this about spiritual growth. Spiritual growth happens as we practice immediate obedience, as God prompts. You know, when you're young in the faith and, and, and the Holy Spirit prompts, you're kind of like you're running this list of pros and cons. Do I get involved? Do I not? You know, but as you mature in the faith, when God stirs in your heart, you're just like, okay, I don't know how this is going to end, but God, I know this is from you, and I'm going to engage. I, I'm going to act. I'm going to step in. And it's that immediate obedience as disciples of Christ. Here's number three. Right? Be willing to pay the price. Be willing to pay the price. The Samaritan, man, he gets there, pulls on the oil and the wine, and he puts him on his donkey, and he takes him to the inn. I mean, this guy goes over and above. And what I want you to see is this, is that love is often inconvenient. I mean, the Samaritan had, didn't have this in his schedule, right? The half-dead guy didn't send him a Google calendar request and say, at 2.30 on your way, can you stop and help me? Will you accept? You know, and the Samaritan's like, yeah, I'll accept. You know, I mean, he didn't do that. Love is inconvenient. It, it is. You know, your kids, they want to have spiritual questions and conversations at inconvenient times. It just happens, right? You're trying to put them to bed, and they're like, Mom, Dad, how did God create the world? Seriously, you know, like, I'm so tired. I just want to go to bed, you know. Or you're fixing them lunch, and they're like, hey, you know, let's talk about the dinosaurs. You're like, oh, I'm just tired. I got to fix your lunch, you know. Or yeah, we'll do it later. We'll do it later. You know, I want to be baptized. We're talking about baptism. Oh, I, I got a lot going on right now. We'll get back to it. We'll get back to it. And, and so often, those conversations, it's just like never happens at the right time. All right? it's, just, it's just all the things that are going on, you know. But the same thing is true in life and in ministry. And a coworker, you know, you can see that they're struggling. You're like, yeah, but we got a meeting. I got to get there. I got this going on. Or, or you know what? There's a mission trip. You're like, ah, I'd love to, but you know, I got all this, all these things that are happening. But think about this. Think about what it all it cost the Samaritan. I mean, think about this. What it cost the Samaritan? It cost his time. Right, he had to stop. He had to help the guy, right? It, it, it cost him his oil. It cost him his wine. That was a big cost right there, right? He's pouring the wine on him right there. He put him on his own donkey, which means he had to walk. So the Samaritan's having to walk because he's got this guy on his donkey. He goes to the inn. He gives him money to them. He gives him his credit. I mean, it cost this guy. And do ministry costs. <laughs> Loving people cost. But boy, is it worth it. Man, isn't it the times that you do and you follow through and then you see God work and you're like, that's awesome. And I almost missed it. Back in Proverbs chapter 3, it tells us this in verse 9, honor the Lord with your wealth, with the first fruits of all your crops. 
Then your barns will be filled to overflowing and your vats will brim over with new wine. Notice it's conditional. There's an incredible promise here, but it's, it's pretty conditional, right? You honor God with your wealth and the first fruits, then this will happen. See, we, we kind of operate on this mindset like we have this limited amount of resources. Like if I help this guy or I sponsor this child or I do this, right? Then, then all of a sudden it's all gone. And we forget that the giver of all is the one who provides. We forget that we're simply a conduit of God's grace and God's mercy and God's love, but he has all the resources. And when he prompts our hearts, we're supposed to engage. So it's this. Be willing to invest in what really matters. Be willing to invest in what really matters. I tell you, when people go on mission trips and they, they go and they're like, man, I don't know, it's a lot of money, you know, there's all this. And it's never like a perfect week. You know, there's always some challenge or some struggle because Satan doesn't want you to go, you know. But, but they go. And when people come back, they're like, that was the most amazing week ever. My life has changed. When people stop and help or they take, and you guys are so generous and do this in so many different ways. And every time I talk to you, you wouldn't believe what happened this weekend. You wouldn't believe this conversation I had. You wouldn't believe that we went down and we helped these people that were going on. And they're just so excited about it. Are we investing in the things that matter? Are we investing in the things that last? And then number four, last one here, love like Jesus commands. I mean, did you get what Jesus said? He tells this whole story, this whole parable about this good Samaritan. And then he looks at this expert in the law and Jesus told him, go and do likewise. This is what I'm calling you to. This life of love. This life of self-sacrifice. This life of investing. This is a command from Jesus. It's not a suggestion. It's not a, hey, if you don't have anything else to do, right, here's something to consider. This is how Jesus calls us to live. And the goal, our goal as Christ followers is to become like Jesus. Right, Romans 8, 29, for those God who foreknew, he also predestined to be conformed to the image of Christ. And so our call is not just to make more money or get more success or more notoriety. Our call is to look more and more like Jesus to hunger after Jesus. First John chapter four, John, who was one of Jesus' disciples, here he is toward the end of his life at 100 years old, and he writes this. He writes in First John four nineteen, we love, why? Because he first loved us. <laughs> the whole reason is because Jesus is love. And then he says, whoever claims to love God yet hates a brother or sister is a liar. That's pretty strong, isn't it? For whoever does not love their brother and sister whom they have seen cannot love God whom they have not seen. And he has given us this command. It's a command. Anyone who loves God must also love their brother and sister. And this call for us to be people of love. So where do you see yourself in this story? Where do you see yourself in this story? Maybe you see as the expert in the law. Maybe you're here today and say, yeah, how do I inherit eternal life? And I want to tell you, you're never going to be good enough. None of us are. It is by grace you are saved through faith. It's a gift of God, not by works, lest no man should boast. It is about Jesus and what he has paid for us. And the expert in the law was running after knowledge and more knowledge and more knowledge. And I'm all about knowledge and I love it, I love it, I love it. But here's the thing. It's 
Jesus would say, it's just not about knowledge, it's about love. <laughs> it's about engaging. Knowledge puffs up, but love builds up. And it's easy for us to kind of go this direction and just say, hey, I want more and more and more knowledge. But we're called to implement that. We're called to live it out. We're called to love. Maybe you see today and you go, man, I'm the priest or the Levite. <laughs> I mean, if you're looking at my life, I'm just so busy. I don't have any margin to help anybody. And I know God's been prompting my heart. I know God's been stirring in me to like, hey, get involved and give back. And, and I know there's people at work who I just need to stop by or I just send an email and say, hey, I'm praying for you. I'm praying with you. I know my kids want to have a spiritual conversation. I, I have got to free up some margin in my life to engage. When the Holy Spirit prompts to engage, maybe you kind of identify as the Good Samaritan. Praise God. You know, that's our call, Right? To love. Love is what changes the world. Love is what changes the world. Love the Lord your God with all your heart, your soul, your mind, your strength. Love your neighbor as yourself. As a disciple of Christ, we are called to love. We ought to be identified by our love. At Rolling Hills, our number one core value is love. We will love our, our God first and foremost and everyone around us with the love of Jesus Christ. You know it's love that changes the world? I mean, it really is. It, you know, after Jesus was resurrected and ascended into heaven, the early church is growing, it's exploding. And if you study history, you remember what happens? Emperor Nero comes to the throne of Rome. He sets Rome on fire so that he can build a bigger palace, and then he blames the fire on Christians. And so persecution breaks out against the church. I mean, like persecution, major persecution, like Christians thrown to the gladiators, Christian rolled in tar and used as human torches for Nero's palace. Go back and study it. Unbelievable. But yet the church continued to grow because they continued to love. They continued to pray for the people around them and they continued to grow in their love for God and their love for others. And in 165 AD, there was a plague that hit the Roman Empire. They're not sure, historians aren't sure if it was smallpox or measles, but during that plague from 165 to 180, over five million people died. And you know what it was? Christians who were coming out and helping, who were coming out and loving. When pagans were throwing their family members out in the street because they didn't want to get the plague and get sick, it was Christians who were coming and scooping them up and taking them back to their houses or taking them back to their places where they were meeting as a church, and they were nursing them back to health. And it so transformed the Roman Empire then within 125 years, Constantine becomes the first Christian emperor of Rome. And it wasn't Christians taking up swords and going, hey, let's rebel against Romans. It was just Christians loving. It was love. It was love, and it changes the world. Mother Teresa, and you're thinking, how could this little nun change the world? Well, here's what she said. Mother Teresa said, I am a little pencil in the hand of a writing God who is sending a love letter to the world. Mother Teresa would just wake up and say, God, how can you use me today? How can you love through me today? Change the world. Change the world. Maybe you look at those three, but maybe if we're all honest, here's where we really are. We can identify today as we are the man in need. Every one of us, we were dead in our sins and our transgressions. And praise God that the good Samaritan didn't pass us by. 
Praise God that Jesus Christ came for us to redeem us, to restore us, to give us new life, to give us hope, and to call us to live as his disciples. It's in Christ and in Christ alone. So guys, are you growing in your love? Are you growing in your love for God? Are you growing in your love for others? Are you learning, am I learning to love everyone always? That's the call in our lives. Maybe today we just want to be honest. I have to be honest. You know, God, here's where I am. And God, here's the things I've been living for. And today, Father, would you draw me close to your heart? Would you draw me back to you? Every day, are you falling more in love with God? And every day, are you loving others more? If you were to ask your family and say, hey, am I growing in my love? If you were to ask the people around you at work, you know, am I growing in my love? Am I more generous? Am I more patient? Am I more kind? Am I growing in my love? That's the call for us. And that's the joy of following Jesus. Because then we just simply become a conduit of God's grace to others. We get to extend the grace of God and the love of God that we've received to others. And we get to watch their lives be impacted. And that is an incredible joy. And it comes back to love. I want to ask you to bow your head and close your eyes just for a moment. I don't know where you are today. Maybe God's been prompting your heart already. Maybe it's with your spouse to love. Maybe it's with your children to have spiritual conversations and to take the time. Maybe it's with people at work. Maybe you think, I don't even know my neighbors. <laughs> I pull in my garage, I shut the door. Maybe there's somebody that God's put on your heart even this morning saying it's time to send an email, it's time to shoot a text. Maybe God's been speaking to you about missions and getting involved and going on a mission trip, serving in some way, or maybe even fostering a child or adopting a child. I don't know, but I know God is here. And I know Jesus left the throne room of heaven for you because he loves you that much. So Father God, thank you for your presence this morning. Thank you for your word, for your truth. Thank you, God, for coming to us. And we love because you first loved us. So let us be people of love. Speak to us right now.